I don't want to hang around him. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to do what they want to do. I, I just don't want to hear about all the Jesus stuff. I don't want to hear about how I'm a sinner. I don't want to hear. It's going to divide people. And there, the thing that we're going to see is that there's no middle ground. You are either for Christ or you are against Christ. Thousands and thousands and maybe millions of people are walking around thinking that, you know, I'm a Christian because I'm not a Muslim. I'm a Christian because I live in Tennessee and because, you know, whatever. But they don't live for Christ. They don't, they're not trusted in Christ. They don't serve Christ. They don't love Christ. They don't, they don't do anything. You know, they may go to church, may attend whatever, but they don't do anything whatsoever. And they think, I'm a believer. You are either for Christ with your life or you are against Christ. You are working for Him or you're working against Him. Somebody, with, real quick, look up Luke 12, 51 and read that. And we'll, uh, we'll go back to John 51. Yeah, everywhere His name is spoken, there is division. Uh, you can, if you found it, okay, read it. And read. he said also to the people, when ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. That is so the wrong verse. Well, that is so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read 51 through 53. Okay. Suppose ye that I am to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now think about that a second. Jesus came. He said, you think I came to bring peace to the earth? He said, I came to bring a soul. He said, I came to bring division. And he's talking about actually dividing Families, you know, mother and daughter, sister and brother. And, and the reason that's the case is because wherever Jesus' name is spoken, he will either be the Lord of over everything in your life or he will be a, an offense to you. How dare you tell me that I'm a sinner? How dare you judge me? How dare you whatever? And so we talked about that last week or maybe the week before about how you don't even have to be a Bible thumper. You don't even have to walk around going, Jesus, 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 y'all need to get saved. Y'all going to hell. You know, you don't even have to do that. All you have to do is live for Christ and it makes people mad because what it does is it shines a mirror on their sin. It shines a mirror on what they're not doing. It shines a mirror on. So just living for Christ. So let's read, uh, let's read verse 40. And it's only we're only going to be 12 verses. And I want you to identify the characters in the story. We're going to see the divisions that take place here in John 7. Okay, Jesus has just said, if anybody thirsts, come to me and drink. Verse 40 says, many of the people, the crowd, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Now, First, you got the people who are convinced. Okay, who is who is the prophet? Why why did they call him the prophet, not a prophet? Oh, you got to be kidding me! You guys that have been here every class, this is like the eighth time we've talked about this. Why? Who is the prophet? Not a prophet, but the who is the prophet? 
Messiah. It is the Messiah. That's yes. But who spoke of the prophet who would come into the world, who would teach you? Moses. Moses. I think you answered that last time, Dean. <coughs> in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, uh, I think it's 18, 16, it's right in there somewhere. Moses said, I will, there's a prophet like me coming into the world. When he gets here, you listen to him. He will tell you everything that you need to do. And this is what the people were seeing. This is the prophet here that Moses was talking about. And then some people said he is the Christ. So you got this one crowd, this one part of the people who believed in what in Jesus. They believed what Christ was saying. They believed that if you come to him with thirst in your soul, not just the, you know, my belly's thirsty and I need some water, but if you come to him with your needs, with your cares, with your, you know, all those things that he will satisfy all those needs. They were standing in the crowd going, that's him. Here we are. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. And uh, this is this is what we're going to see is that if they if they drink from him, if you come to him and drink from him, then your hearts change. Now, what I want you to see is the difference between these people, because there were people in the, earlier in this chapter who were asking the question, hey, this guy might be the Christ, but they were afraid to say anything. You remember that? Let me let me go back and read it. Look back up and look at verse 13. We did this maybe what two weeks ago. They were they were asking this might be the Christ. Verse 13 says, but howbeit no man spoke openly of him. Why? For fear. For the fear of the Jews. But now Jesus had come and given his word. He had come and preached his sermon. He had come and told them about being thirsty. And all of a sudden, they're not afraid anymore. They were like, this is the Christ. Look at him. And so that's what happens when you come to Christ to drink, when He comes and satisfies that heart, when He comes and gives you um, the, the joy of being in relationship with Him, your heart changes to where you can't help but say, you know, this, this is Him. I mean, it's Him. This is, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the, the, the Lord of my life. He is the Lord of, of all creation. Y'all see where I'm going? Everybody with me? Y'all not saying nothing. Now, I would hope, it's a kind of big class today, but I would hope that that describes all of us. You know, I don't know, all I know about is me. But I would hope that that describes all of us. But look at, look at the next group of people. These people are in the crowd, verse 41. I'm trying to hurry up so we can kind of discuss it. Um, it says in, in, uh, at the end of, yeah, at the end of verse 41, it says, Shall Christ come out? They're questioning. Some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So these guys, these guys were, they were questioning whether he was the Messiah, but they were questioning in a way that was, for us who know the story, it's kind of dumb. They were saying, you know what, Galilee is the boondocks. You know, it's like, for us it would be like, can a prophet come out of hill? You know, or or can I, you know, something like that. Like if you were in, if you were, uh, I don't know, in Nashville somewhere, and, and you were, you know, at some Vanderbilt University, you know, and all the professors are there meeting and they're all talking about all this medical stuff, and then you got a doctor from Milan Hospital, you know, that comes up and says, I got this new thing. They would be like, Sir. We're doctors here at Vanderbilt, and you're just, you know, it's real sweet and cute that you've come. You know, this is kind of the attitude they were taking. They're like, 
this guy comes from Galilee. They said the, the, the real Messiah, the scripture says, would be of the seed of David, and he would come from Bethlehem. What, were they, what, what was their mistake? They were, think, they were working out of ignorance. They denied Jesus out of ignorance. What were they ignorant of? Yeah, he did come from Bethlehem. And he was from the seed of David, both on his father's side and his mother's side. He was from the seed of David. And so what they were doing was they, they thought they knew certain things about what Jesus was. And rather than going to Jesus and, and with, with their questions, hey, where, where were you born? Where do you come from? Where you? They were just assuming, because they knew he was from Nazareth, he had came from Nazareth, they were assuming that this, this can't be him because the Savior is coming from Bethlehem. When the reality was, he was from Bethlehem. This was the man, their objections were actually false objections because he, was, he fulfilled the... Y'all not helping me none. He fulfilled what they were talking about. He fulfilled their objections. They had an objection and they... Man, I got like something on my face or something? Y'all just staring at me. They... The, what I see when I look at it is they didn't... These folks, rather than come and question Jesus, where are you from? What, what about the scripture that says you come from Bethlehem? What about... What about rather than seeking actual answers... They were just dismissing him, and you know they didn't. The, the truth is, they didn't want to give up their independence. They didn't want to give up their self-sufficiency. They didn't want to give up. They didn't want to submit to some dude from Galilee who said, "I'm the Messiah." You know, I am a sophisticated Judean from Jerusalem, and no backwoods Galilean is going to tell me, you know, and I think that, that he's the Messiah. Out of fear. Say it again. I said, I still think that. Ignorance and, and, and stuff like that still comes out of fear. Fear of having to let go of what their normal was. Yeah. They're acting in defense. And they were, you know, they've been waiting for this Messiah, and all of a sudden this guy comes, and yeah, it's, it, it was scary. It was like, if this is him, then we have to submit to him. We have to bow down before him. We have to worship him. We have to, you know, we have to listen to him. We have to learn from him. And you get to thinking, you know, look, we've been doing this our way for a long time. And we've kind of gotten used to the way that this festival here is supposed to work. You know, the festival of tabernacles was going on. It was a joyous occasion. We talked about that last week. You know, and here this guy is, the Messiah. He's just messing the whole thing up for everybody. You know? They're comfortable. They don't want to change. They don't want to change. Right. And the division is, it's, it's in the crowd. You got, you got some that say, this is him. Look, here it is. Let's go. And then you got some that say, no, I can't be him because this reason, that reason, this reason. You ever met those folks that uh, they got every reason in the world why not to believe in Jesus? Why not? To believe the word, why not to believe the... We talked about that before. The reality is that when a person's heart is hard, they can hear... I mean, these people... This isn't Jason standing up and telling y'all, Hey guys, let's all turn to Jesus. This was Jesus himself standing there giving the words of God, speaking them in the temple, showing them that he was the fulfillment of all the things that were going on. And you had one group that said, 
you know, let's go, this is him. And then you had another group who said, I don't think that's him, and this is why. Reason one, reason two, reason three, reason four, reason five. And so you've got a clear distinction between these people. One group, both groups would think we're religious and we're good Jewish people, we're God's people, but one group was actually with Christ, and another group was actually against Christ. Can you see how sitting there and questioning him without coming to him, without seeking actual answers would uh, would be working against him. See, if I'm if me and Bruce are in the crowd, Bruce me and Bruce are in the crowd and Bruce says, that's the Christ right there. That's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one we've been waiting for. And I look at Bruce and I said, the guy can't really be the Messiah because the Messiah comes from Bethlehem. This guy comes from Nazareth. And so we don't really, you know, Prophets don't, this is Jerusalem here. We got it going on. God's people. Prophets don't come out of Galilee. You know, prophets don't come from the boondocks. You see where I'm working against Christ? In Bruce's life? You see how I'm working against him? And so you don't have to just say, oh, this guy's not real, it's not true. Just that little bit of dissension in the ear of somebody who trusts Christ is working. You have become a tool of Satan. You've become a tool of, of you know. It's, it's the difference between light and dark. It's the difference between the sheep and the goats. It's the difference between the children of God and the children of Satan. <coughs> With me? Yeah. Do I understand? Yeah. Verse 43. Verse 43. So there was a division among the people because of him. We just talked about that. And there, some of them would even have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. How many times have we read that so far? That they wanted to arrest him, but they just couldn't. They just, this is probably, I don't know exactly, but it's got to be third or fourth time that we've read in John where they tried to arrest him and they just couldn't. And it, it doesn't tell us why, like there was like a magic force field around him or, you know, something. It just says they tried to take him and they, did, and they couldn't. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time to, uh, to come. So the division happens. Now, what I want you to see in this next part, and then we'll just open it up and we'll talk about it, is there was also division among the religious leaders. And these are other kinds of people that I want you to see. There were some that were just confused. The officers, you remember last week, the officers, the, the Pharisees sent temple police who were religiously trained Levites. These were not stupid people. They were not just cops. They were not just whatever. These were actually temple police who had been trained in the law. They were Levites by birth. They had been, you know, they had been trained in what, you know, Judaism was and all this. So they weren't stupid by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, verse 44, verse 45 said, Then came the officers, then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, why have you not brought him? Why did the chief priests send the officers to Jesus? What did they want, what did they want to happen? They wanted Jesus arrested. They said, you go and you arrest this guy who's shouting in the middle of the temple, in the middle of our feast. You go and arrest this guy and you bring him here. And so the officers came back to the priest and the priest said, where is he? Why didn't you bring him? And verse 46 says, the officers answered, Never man, never man spake like this man. There has never been a man who spoke like this man. Now, that's kind of, do you, you realize how much trouble these guys are in? I mean, that would be like, what would it be like? It would be like, 
Yeah, but I mean, it would be like the 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 DA says we have a warrant for for Jason's arrest. I want you gives it to the sheriff. Sheriff, go get Jason and bring him back here. We're going. And the sheriff comes back and he says, "Well, where's Jason? Did you not find him?" It's like he just spoke to me real nice. You know, <laughs> you realize how stupid that would sound. Like they they could have said. Hey, there was a bunch of people around, and if we would have took him, there would have been a riot. They could have said, you know, it would have been bad for the festival because all this commotion was going on. They could have said a, a million things as to why they did not take Jesus. But the truth of the matter was that the word of God came to them, and it was like, nobody's ever spoke like this. What did he say when they were there that they were so dumbfounded at? We've already talked about it. He said, what, I am? That's right. And he, he was basically telling them that I am, I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one where you can, and, and they were saying, nobody's ever, ever spoke like this. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever talked like, what kind of man talks like I am God? I am the satisfaction of your thirst. I am the satisfaction of... Nobody talks like that. And the problem was, you see here, was they didn't do anything. They heard Jesus' words. They could probably hear the crowd. They could hear this guy over here saying, this is the Messiah. They could hear this guy over here saying, no, he can't be the Messiah because he's not from Bethlehem and all this kind of stuff. And they heard Jesus' words that were piercing their heart. And they're thinking, nobody ever spoke like this. But what did they do? They didn't do anything. You see that group of people? Huh? They didn't accept him. They didn't accept him. Did they reject him? No. Not overtly, but implicitly they kind of did. Because inaction, doing nothing, is the same as rejecting. You see what I mean? They could have come, they could have come later and came to Christ. I don't know though. It doesn't say. It doesn't say whether they believed him or not. It doesn't say whether they thought he was truly the Messiah or not. All it says is that they just couldn't do anything. There are those people who we have questions, we don't understand this, and I don't understand how the Bible can be true about this, and I don't understand what Christ is doing here. I don't understand why God's letting this happen. I don't understand what God... And the questions just swirl around, and if there's, no, if there's nobody to come along, which there never really is, and say, this is the answer, you know, then what happens is you just get... You just shut down. So I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But the reality is, that's not a response of faith. The default position that these officers was in was unbelief. The default position is servant of Satan. The default position, the Bible says you serve one or two masters. Well, you don't have to make a choice at all to serve one of those masters. You just automatically, his, you are automatically his child. Over here in John 8, next week, we're going to, probably not next week, but the one after that, we'll talk about Jesus actually looks the Pharisees right in the eyes and said, your father is the devil. And so, by default, you're the child, you're the servant of Satan. You serve yourself, you serve 
So you have to make a conscious decision. You have to make a change. You have to hear the Word of God and have your heart turned toward Him uh, before you can become a child of Christ, before you can come become a child of God, before you can be turned to Him. And, the, and so many people just put it off. So many people are just inactive. They're just, you know, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to, I don't know, I'm, I'm mulling it over. These guys didn't, these guys didn't do it. Uh, last couple of verses, and then we'll uh, we'll open it up and have a discussion. It says, "Then answered the Pharisees. These are the guys who just flat out rejected." He said, "He said, are you also deceived?" He talking to the officers who didn't. They said, "We don't know why we didn't bring him." He says, "Are you deceived by this man?" He says, "Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law, talking about the crowds, they're cursed." Now. This is really ironic the way they're talking because the what they're saying about the crowds is true of them. Uh, they weren't the crowd wasn't deceived. Well, some of the crowd wasn't deceived. The Pharisees were deceived. The crowd wasn't cursed. The Pharisees were cursed. And basically, they were saying Jesus can't be the Messiah because he hadn't got our permission. You see that? Where it says, has any of the rulers believed in him? Has any of the uh, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? Basically, he was saying, we're in charge here, young men. We're in charge here, officers. We are the ones who says what God wants. Therefore, this guy out there preaching and yelling and talking to the people, he can't be the Messiah because we haven't said it's okay for him to be the Messiah. You know people like that? Oh yeah. Jesus ain't Lord because I'm not going to make Him Lord. I could care less. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. And they were basically rejected. And then the last couple of verses, you see our old friend Nicodemus. Remember him from chapter 3? What did Nicodemus do in chapter 3? Somebody just give me the summary. He went to Jesus by night. He came to Jesus and what was he asking? Who are you? Basically, right. Who are you? And Jesus told him what? He said, lest you be born again. He said, you, you can't know me. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God lest you be born again. And so we're going to see Nicodemus uh, another time here in the Gospel of John. But I'm not sure if Nicodemus was born again yet at this point. But man, he was really thinking about it. He had, was really mulling over it. It says... He, he actually, he didn't stand up and just defend Jesus, but he says, Nicodemus said unto them, that this is the one that came to Jesus by night, being one of them. He says, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? And then they answered and said to him, are thou also from Galilee? Basically, they were saying, are you one of them country boys too? Are you one of his people? He said, you search and look. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. He was saying, prophets don't come out of Ilville, man. Prophets don't come out of the country. Now, it's really interesting to me, and then I'm gonna let y'all, I'm gonna let y'all talk. That they were so what you laughing at, Valerie? I will let you talk. They were so blind. They were so cursed. They were so. I don't even know what the word is that they couldn't even there were prophets from Galilee uh, Nahum was from Galilee y'all read the book of Nahum oh it's a great read 
Uh, <laughs> Jonah was from Galilee. You know, Jonah, the one, the fish, the, Jonah was from Galilee. Uh, there's a good possibility that Elijah was from Galilee. So, what, what confounds me is the fact that they rejected Christ, they rejected the Messiah, they rejected what God is doing, and it has affected them so much that when a man stood up not to say, hey, this is him, he just stood up to say, look, let's listen to what the guy has to say before we judge him. They just attacked him so much, and they attacked him with stuff that was just ridiculous. I mean, any person who knew the Old Testament scriptures, which the Pharisees surely did, I'm not, they could not have been ignorant of the writings and the prophets and the, the law. They could not have been Pharisees and been ignorant of those things, but yet they would make a statement like no prophet ever came from Galilee. They were just throwing whatever they could at Nicodemus to shame him, to say, you must be from Galilee too. You must be one of them old hillbillies, one of them stupid people that follows Christ, one of them people that are not intellectual. They need a crutch. They need the religious thing to lean on because they can't reason. They can't make sense out of you know, they were just throwing every every accusation they could at him to such an extent that they were even blinded by their own history. Uh, that was pretty amazing to me. Know anybody like that? Know anybody like they're too smart? I'm too smart to be a Christian. I'm too smart because, you know, I know all the all this science stuff that I, I read, you know, on a blog somewhere about, you know, evolution and blah, 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 whatever. You know, all this stuff. So you got... Jesus is going to divide. You may be wondering things like, you know, why is my family just all, you know, because I accept this Christ and my family is just, they're just all against me all of a sudden. Well, that's what Jesus came to do. That's, that's the natural order of things. You can see it every time Jesus pops his head up in public in the Gospels, you're going to have division. You're going to have mothers that are divided from their children. You're going to have fathers that are divided from their sons, brothers divided from their sisters. So don't think it abnormal that most of the people you know, most of the people that you hang around with, all of a sudden have something against you. All of a sudden are looking for ways to condemn you. All of a sudden are looking for ways to curse you. Looking for ways to, to see you fail, to watch you crumble, to watch you fall at your job or at your whatever. Don't be surprised because that's what Jesus does. He divides people. And the division is going to be people that, there's going to be people that love Christ. There's going to be people that just don't do anything with Christ, that just walk around oblivious to what's going on and just don't ever make a decision about anything. There's going to be people who are just venomous snakes that want to want to attack you and want to silence you and want to do those things. And there's going to be people that are just confused. I, I just don't even know. Y'all see any of those divisions anywhere in your family, in your life? Is it easy? No. What do you do? Okay, now it's time to talk. Huh? Move away. Move, move to Tennessee. <laughs> Move away from There's, I don't know, there's, there's no way you can, we talked about this a couple of chapters ago, but there's no way to beat it into somebody. There's no way to reason it into somebody. There's, I mean, you can be the smartest guy in the world and have all the greatest arguments. 
you can have all the knowledge to counter whatever argument somebody throws at you, and you just can't reason somebody into the kingdom. What has to happen for them to come to the kingdom? God has to touch them. He has to beckon them in. That's right. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're called. Born again. There you go. But yes, that's true as well. So, y'all have people in your family. You have people in your work. You have people around you. And you need to be able to recognize this is a person that's attacking. This is a person who's just confused and they're looking for answers. This is a person who just doesn't really know what to believe. This is a person that that is not really against what I'm saying and not really against Christ, but they don't want to give up their own independence yet. You need to you need to understand that those divisions are going to come. And that's the way Christ said it was going to be. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide people. And that's what he does. Does anybody have any thoughts or questions or cries of outrage? Yeah, you pray for them. Yeah, you don't shut up about it, and then you don't. Now you have to change your approach sometimes. You know, like after you've told them about Jesus eight hundred times, they're they're like, okay, I, I got it. You know, so you may have to you may have to live it in front of them for a while. You may have to earn the right to talk to them about it. You know. And that's the thing, you know, love, it says love covers a multitude of sins. You would be surprised how many people would actually give you a hearing if you would just meet a need that they had. You know, like, you know, uh, for instance, there's people, people come, we're right here on the interstate, people come to the church and they want money. They don't, you know, they want money for gas, they want money for a room, they want whatever. And I said, uh, you know, we've got little gas cards that we keep in there for people. We've got little, you know, Walmart cards if they have kids and need diapers or, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. But I will not give them out until you, you have to give me five minutes to let me tell you the gospel, to tell you, you know, to ask you about your situation. And then I will give you whatever, you know, I'll give you a card, I'll give you whatever, and you can go fill up and then go on your way. And, and that's the thing. If you're engaged in service, to someone, they kind of feel like they owe you. And you can even get like, I want to know about your spiritual condition. You know what I mean? I need to know. Tell me about when you were saved. You can even get a little that with them because they feel like you've earned something. The best, I've always said, the best people to witness to, to practice with, to witnessing to, is waitresses. Because they will listen to you. They want to tip. <laughs> and you tell them, look, I will give you a good tip if you'll listen to me for three minutes. You know? And they, even if they hate you, they will smile and they'll say, okay, yeah. And they will listen to you for that tip, I promise you. So, uh, what was you going to say, Doug? See, I started talking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Anybody else got anything? Really? I must have did a great job. Yeah. Is that what it is? We're all waiting for a gas Yeah, well, you sat here through a lot longer than five minutes to get a gas card. All right, we're going to start chapter eight next week. And uh, 
the first story in chapter 8 is going to be the woman caught in adultery. And then it, it's really strange. There's a really textual history to the what's going on right here. But this story from verse 1 to 11 about the woman caught in adultery is kind of shoved in here. And then after, and then verse 12, after that story, we come back to this scene where Jesus is in the temple. He's still at the Space Tabernacles. And he's going to give the I am the light of the world speech. What? Because at, at the end of the story, everybody's left. Then the next verse is like, then Jesus spoke to the people and said, blah, blah, blah. If everybody just left, who does he just speak to? Yeah, there's a, there's a very interesting textual history about the, they call it the pericope adultery, in case you care. Uh, but it's the one story about the woman caught in adultery. And so it's kind of it's kind of just stuck right in there in between this. I'm not saying it's I mean, it's true. It's not a false story or something like that, but it has a very interesting it's like we history. Flashback yeah, something like that. All right. Well, we're, we're good. Anybody have any questions? Anybody have any questions?